Let us pray. Lord, I pray that thought words and ideas shared now be of you. Invite your spirit to be among us. Teach us. May all that is said and shared be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, this morning's lectionary gospel text comes from John. And uh love John's gospel. John's, everything in John's gospel is significant. He is talking about signs and symbols and point to Jesus. That is the point of what he writes and why he writes and what he's trying to say. Um, so it's a little different. It's a little different than the other, the other three, the synoptic gospels that operate on the same rhythm and time frame. That, that John, but he, he says it in his gospel that he, he is writing to give significance so you will believe and have eternal life. That he's writing these signs and symbols. So as we think about that, why don't you think about what he's, what he's saying here? That even the fact that it's the next day is significant, but we don't have time to go down that road right now. But you have John the Baptist, whose kind of whole point, you see it start in chapter 1 and kind of by chapter 3, the theme is, John the Baptist, I must decrease and you must increase. That Jesus must increase and him decrease. Um, that's what he says in chapter 3 of John's gospel. Um, and here, John the Baptist has some of his disciples and followers and says, when he sees Jesus, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Two of them here do what? Just seeing if y'all are paying attention. What do they do? They follow. They go. And two of them, they're, they're unnamed at this point, And they just follow Behind Jesus. I don't know how you'd feel in today's world if a couple of people just started following you around. And but in this passage, just in here in the beginning, this first meeting of any followers of Jesus, John begins to unlock his entire gospel and the message and what is the point. And tells a few things about Jesus and a few things about what it means to be a disciple. That's the two ideas I want us to come to this text with this morning. The questions asking, what, is it, what does this say about Jesus? What does it say about to be a disciple? Because he unlocks just, just here. But every, every verse in John's gospel just unlocks new layers of interpretation and truth. But here, you have these two... Disciples of John the Baptist that he said, go, there's the Lamb of God. It's not about John, it's about him. And they go and they follow. And then what does Jesus do? First thing it lets us know about Jesus, it's important theological. It's one of the ideas of maybe why I'm Methodist. He turns and engages them. They're following him. They don't have to beg, they don't have to ask, they don't have to wonder. They don't, they're, just, they're just 
following. And he turns and he moves towards them. I mean, it's a good illustration, a good example of prevenient grace. That's what we call it as Methodists. The idea that by the time you decide you want to seek Jesus, you can't even seek him because he's already found you. I mean, the principle we were saying with the kids this morning, that he, he knows your name. He knows this. That's, that's a little later in John's gospel is where that comes from. That he knows you. But that he turns in their direction. And then he asks the question. If you don't think I think that, you shouldn't be shocked that I think that's an important question. It's the title of the sermon. It's the picture on the front of the bulletin. What are you looking for? And I, even, I really liked uh, that picture on the front of the bulletin. I, does anybody miss maps? You know, you get a, there was something adventurous about a map. This piece of paper. That people have put together and we're going to go out and find where we're going and, and try to get there. And also, does anybody remember early GPS? You know, your Magellan or your Garmin or your TomTom. You remember how it kind of got you close? I mean, the early ones, you got close. I mean, you were going to be within a few miles of your target. And you might get there in two or three hours out of the way. That it would go the wrong direction. But we've gotten, the, you know, the code's better, satellite's better, all the stuff's better. Now we just, what do we do? Well, just give me the address and I'll just stick it in my phone. And I don't know, maybe some of the adventure of, of heading off on a trip. But you know what it really is? Is I lost some importance. Katie doesn't read maps very well. And so that was my thing. You know, I've got to read a map and tell us, tell us where we're going and got to find it out on the map. And now it's just to put it in your phone. But the adventure, maybe the excitement. But he doesn't really say, where are you going? But he says, what are you looking for? I mean, it's the equivalent of in our day and age of, of grabbing, you know, whatever. I heard a comedian say the other day, do you feel like when you're home and you say something to Lexi, you're like cheating on Siri? Anyway, but, but it's like saying, Siri, what, Alexa, can I tell me this? I mean, that is, your phone ever do that? How may I help you? I, wait, I wasn't asking you yet. I, the broadness of that question, can I help you with any piece of information in the history of all humanity or beyond? In the ancient world, that's the, that's the, that's the depth of which Jesus is asking this question. He turns to them to engage them and ask this question. What, what, are you, what are you looking for? Then I want you to understand, John is telling you significant pieces of his theology, his understanding of Jesus. That Jesus steps out and meets us where we are. That Jesus initiates. Jesus is the one, the prevenient grace, the idea Fills in the gaps. Jesus, God became flesh and dwelled among us. God, that's the incarnation, gets into your life, your world, where you are asking, what are you looking for? 
What are you looking for? How would you answer that question? It's important how they answer the question in John's gospel. Teacher, we're looking for where you, you're staying. Not that deep of a question. You know, I would, but within John's gospel, what has he already said about where the only person that knows the epilogue, I mean, the, the prelogue, prologue, not epilogue, that's the end, right? Prologue's the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. The only one that knows that stuff are the readers, are the ones hearing this read to them. You're pertinent to a piece of information that these first followers don't know, which is that he's the word made flesh and dwells where? With us. And the question they're asking is, Rabbi, teacher, where, where are you dwelling? Just that, how they answer that question with rabbi. Rabbi is an important word in John's gospel. The people who are really seeking call him rabbi. It's, you know, uh, in Matthew's gospel, rabbi, it doesn't have the significance of John's gospel. Of, it's, it's Lord. You want to call him Lord if you're in Matthew's gospel. But they call him all kinds of things in John's gospel. They do in all of them. But I want you to realize in chapter 1, this one chapter, this first chapter of John's gospel, there are eight different names for Jesus used 12 different times in chapter 1. You got rabbi. You got Messiah. You got word. Made flesh. You've got Lamb of God. You've got the one who Moses wrote about. Son of God. Son of man. King of Israel. I think that's eight. There we go. You've got them. And some of them are used more than once. So you've got 12 different times that people, ask, people will say something different about who Jesus is. And here when he asks these two followers, these nameless guys who are just tagging along behind him. It, teacher. Teacher means, I want to learn something from you. Student would mean, I want to tell you something about me. I want to teach you something. They say, teacher, we want to learn where you're dwelling. Within just chapter 1 here alone... Eight different names for Jesus. They're all different, used 12 different times. What is John trying to tell us? About Jesus. Don't overthink it. When people come and follow Jesus, we usually are looking for different things. Is that true? Some are looking for the friend, Jesus. We love. He walks with me, talks with me, holds my hand. Some are looking for the teacher, Jesus. The rabbi, Jesus. Son of God, Jesus. The one to learn more of scripture. To Some of us are just, as we read in the psalm, in a pit and crying out. And we opened worship. I don't know about you, 
But in my life of attempting to follow Jesus, I learn more about Jesus all the time. And Jesus usually does meet me in the questions and where I'm asking. I'm not sure that he always answers the questions I'm asking. But I'm moments of just being in the pit. I kind of shared that a week ago or two weeks ago. I don't know. Just just being at the bottom and just crying out, oh, God. Or moments of crying out, help with addiction or help with this problem or help with this frustration. Jesus usually starts with where we are and what we're looking for. The truth about Jesus, he begins with him initiating with you and will start with where you're looking and what you're looking for. But what do you go on to find out about Jesus? How does that question actually get answered? What are you looking for? And they say, Rabbi, where you're staying? Well, just... Come and see. That question of who is Jesus, who is the one we're looking for. In John's gospel, how that gets answered, you've got to read the whole thing. So they were all written to be read from beginning to end, orally, out loud. How does Jesus answer that question? Well, that's great. I'm glad that's what you're looking for. I'll be glad to be your teacher. Now, let me tell you. How does Jesus tell you the rest of that story, what you're going to find? He does it in seven I am statements. That's in John's gospel. You may have been looking for a teacher to find out where he stays, but you're going to find the bread of life. You're going to find the light of the world. You're going to find the gate to the shepherd, to the pen that holds the sheep, that knows the names, the one that guards the gate, that knows them all. You're going to find the good shepherd who will give his life for the sheep. You are going to find the resurrection and the life. You are going to find the vine that you can do nothing if you are not abiding in. You are going to find the way and the truth and the life. So what is is John telling us about Jesus? He, he usually always, I mean, he, prevenient grace, he's going to come to you first. What you're looking for, great. But you're going to find more than what you were looking for. He's already said it in the prologue. This is the creator of the universe that all things were made through, and he's become flesh entering into your life and world. Guess what? You're going to find more than what you were looking for. It's going to be bigger, broader, sometimes smaller and quieter than what you bargained for. Right up front, John's gospel. That's the truth about Jesus. And where are you really going to find it? What does he say? We're looking for a rabbi, and we're kind of want to see where you're hanging out, where you're staying, where you dwell. How does he answer it? What does he say? Let me give you the orthodox answer to this question. Let me give you the seven-point theological concept. What does he say? Come and see. Just, Just come on. 
Come and see. You won't get the full answer till the end of John's gospel. Like everybody else in the story, Nicodemus, Nathaniel, who picks up in the next chapter. I, I mean, in the next like chapter, chapter, not numbered chapters, the very next thing that happens. It takes them a whole, the whole gospel to fully see. But Jesus says, come and see. What is, what is John wanting to know about Jesus? You will find all of this on the journey with them. And he wants, to journey, he wants you to journey. Because come, come on. That, that actually is a dominant thought throughout the gospel of John. Come, come and see. Just come on. Come and see and spend some time with me. And you'll find out what you're looking for and much more. That he wants to be son of God, all of that stuff, the great I am with us, and we, we get it on the journey with him. So, I'm not saying that culminates everything, but in this section, that's the things I wrote down that it tells us about Jesus. What does it say about disciples? I've said before, so often the things that are different about the gospel writers are where the message is for that gospel writer. You get John the Baptist, his whole point. Point to Jesus, you got to increase, I got to decrease. And then you have these two people that follow John. Leave John the Baptist and start following Jesus. And they don't even get a name. Until he addresses them. They say what they're looking for. And then you find out that one of them is who? Andrew. Andrew? Wait a minute. That's not what it says in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Andrew? Wait, Andrew? The first disciple mentioned is Andrew? He's the first one, Andrew. I mean, that's like a, that's like a level two disciple. I mean, he's like a B-class disciple. What are we talking about, Andrew? He's not ever talked about much. What are you doing? What are you doing, John? Do you know what disciple is not ever mentioned in John's gospel? John. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about him. It's about Jesus. The first disciple mentioned is Andrew. Andrew's mentioned three times in John's gospel. Chapter 1, chapter 6, and chapter 12. Chapter 1, we're just read. Chapter 6, you know what Andrew's doing? He brings the little boy that has the bread... And the fish to Jesus. In chapter 12, you know what Andrew is doing? There's some Greeks that are confused and have questions and are struggling. These Greek Gentiles. And he brings them to Jesus. Actually, in John's gospel, there's never a list of 12 apostles. There's never a list of the 12 disciples. Like in the synoptics. If you keep reading, you'll realize it's because he's drawing the reader into the text. 
But Andrew, a- Andrew is the first one mentioned. So what does that tell us about a disciple? You already kind of see it with John the Baptist. It's about Jesus, not about us. I mean, we want to mention stories of Peter, right? It's supposed to be Peter or John or James. We mentioned it last week. Jesus, you know, you picks the top three to go with him to the transfiguration. It's Peter, James, and John, not Andrew. But guess what John is telling you? There would be no Peter without Andrew. Who wants to be known as the brother of so-and-so? I mean, do, do, growing up, my sister made all A's without even studying. I mean, her teachers just loved her. And I've told you, I'm dyslexic, ADD, did not care about school. and I got help at 17 and really could read and learn. And then I loved college and loved graduate school and did well. But... Elementary school, high school, I would have so many teachers. I remember, I remember Coach Moore, Algebra 2, and he was like, you're Betsy's brother? What? This is Bet. You're, you're an idiot. I mean, he let me through with a passing grade maybe because he was just like, maybe. He can't be that dumb. Who, who wants to be known as somebody else's lesser sibling? John is telling you, that's the point of the whole thing. There would be no Peter without Andrew. To take second seat and be known in the entire gospel, not for anything major he did other than bringing people to Jesus. And that's how the food gets multiplied. That's how the Greeks get to know the truth. Did you find who you are? You get your real you get your name when you step out and follow Jesus. And then once you experience who he is, if you're really going to follow him, your job, your number one job is going to be just bringing other people to it. Don't try to answer all their questions. Don't try to be Jesus. We make a terrible God. We make a horrible Jesus. I'm a terrible Jesus. All we can do is point them and bring them to him. Let Jesus be Jesus. They'll find more than they were looking for. That's the first name to disciple. Because what John is doing is he's setting up the readers to say, guess what, there wouldn't be a Peter without Andrew, and there isn't going to be any more without you. What do you and I want to do with this Jesus we have found? What else does it say? And we get this when Peter, it's after he brings Peter. And what does he do? You're signed. Now, understand, this is no major deal. Most people, especially most Palestinian Jews, had two names. You had a Hebrew name, you had a Roman name, you went by Paul, Saul, you know, that's. 
Peter, I mean, Cephas the rock, he's Simon. But in the Gospels, there's more going on there. Your name gets changed. There's a, anybody know any stories in the Bible about people getting a new name? People like Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, who's lying cheat, gets his name changed to Israel. John is letting you know. His name isn't even used, in the, but he's letting you know. And when you do come to him, and when what you're looking for, whatever it is, meets who he really is, you become a new person. Because see, chapter 3 is where he talks to Nicodemus about you must be born again. That's John's gospel. You'll be born again. Paul says become a new creature in Christ. But when you get honest about what you're really looking for. And the truth is it's different for all of us. And really none of us have come to Jesus without someone else being a witness. Even if it was the original 12. And when you bring that to Jesus, honestly what you're looking for, you will find more than you are looking for and you become different. You will find your name, your identity, and your purpose. And it's not going to be. May your name be made great. It is going to be to make his name great. And to bring other people to him. That's what he died for. That's why he wipes away the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So that the world will gather at his feet. And he can teach them and know them and name them. And them know him and know more than who he is. That's what it's about. I invite you to continue reading John's gospel. In the light of that truth. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we just, I, I stand in awe of a God. With all authority and power. Who lays it aside to wash my feet. Like a slave. And to love me like a son. And to die for me as a sacrifice. I stand in awe of that. The truth is there are throughout my life and still to this day, there's a lot of things I'm looking for and that we will look for. May we realize the only place we can find it is at your feet. And you so love us, you will give us more than we are looking for. I'm not saying the answers will always be comfortable or they'll be what we want to hear. 
but may we let you transform us and love us. May we find our identity and purpose. As we read in Psalm 40 this morning, when we were in the pit and cry out, you meet us, and may you give us a new song to sing for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.